Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Drop your shoulders, take a breath, tune into how you feel because it's time to stretch. I'm Sinead O'Moore and this season is here because of the support of Vitabiotics, my season four sponsor. From Pregnacare to WellKid, WellWoman and WellMan, they have a product range to support us throughout every stretch of life. Okay, I have a bonus episode for you. I've been so outspoken on this topic across national media, I couldn't not sit down and talk to Elaine Dunn the chairperson of the Federation of Early Childhood Providers on this podcast. Why? Because the childcare sector is stretched to breaking point and there will be no winners here. Later this month, there is a planned strike on September 26th, 27th and 28th. In October, they will strike for four days. In December, they will strike for five. And right now, our Minister for Children, Roderick O'Gorman, is publicly telling media that it is un warranted. A word that I personally find belittling, disrespectful and obstinate. The solution needs to be brave, not just expensive, and it needs leadership that accepts the reality of the current situation and joins the dots about how an accessible, flexible, affordable, quality childcare sector is essential if this country, this economy, is to have a female workforce. It takes a village. Well, the village got privatised. The village is childcare and the village is burning down. Leo, Michal, Eamon, send help and send it fast. Elaine, thank you for joining me for this very extra special episode of Stretch Marks podcast because as parents, we are hearing in the news cycles a lot about crash closures, strikes, lack of places, lack of funding, childcare providers having to close their doors. It is a very frightening time. I think we can all agree that within the childcare sector, it has been incredibly difficult for many, 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 many years. But it seems to be right now at absolute crisis point. You are the chairperson of the Federation who is in charge of, of supporting this industry, rallying for it, speaking on its behalf. And you are doing Trojan work, let me tell you. I don't know how you're still standing after the last few weeks. But please help me and help our audience. Please help us understand what is going on. We're all at this time, many of us, small, medium and some of the large services tied into a fee freeze dating back to 2017, instead of 2021 when core funding was introduced. We made Minister Gorman 
and his department very aware that there was an issue for those services and we needed to be allowed to bring our fees up to the rate of 2017. And we weren't allowed. So these are the services that are closing down. These are the services that are financially really, really um, unviable. And these are the ones that we're seeing and we're fighting for today to keep them open because they're in rural and urban Ireland and you don't want to see those services closing down. And the only choice that parents will be left with are will be the large services that are available in like the likes of Dublin, Galway, Cork, Roscommon. I think there's a few of the larger services there as well, Donegal. And that will be the choice for parents. And many of them have changed their service type to you're only allowed to have full-time hours. That's it. You cannot get part-time. You cannot get etchy. So parental choice has been removed. Putting it simply, the providers in this industry cannot sustain the costs they must spend to provide this service safely and adequately with the right staffing numbers and the right safeguards in place. They cannot sustain that business on the current fee agreement with parents and the funding from government. And what you need, you're, what you're seeking is basically a change in the rules from government in order to increase those fees. But also parents cannot afford greater fees. So even if that's to happen, what we know is that we have an incredibly expensive childcare system in Ireland and increasing those fees I imagine, is unpopular for our minister who doesn't want to upset the voting public. Possibly that's part of the reason why he's not, he's saying that it is, it is not necessary to, to, to release you from this agreement. But the very true fact is that there is a population of parents who have no more to give. No, no, absolutely. And we do understand that. And we've said this to Minister Gorman, he tied us into a fee freeze dating back to 2017. We are seeing parents struggling, but there has been a huge amount with the National Childhood Scheme and the, the Universal going up last year. That has taken a lot of fees off parents. And I, I, I don't know whether your children are in a childcare facility now, but you can see that a lot of parents are getting a lot of reductions through that. And we're hoping that the universal will rise again this year with budget. I'm hoping that it'll go up to maybe two euros or 250 um, per child, which will then reduce the fees again. But if Minister Gorman is making all these promises to parents and he's reducing the cost to parents and putting us out of business, then we have a problem. And that's why we're trying, when we sent out a letter nationally through the Federation of Early Childhood around the country, it's gone, it's gone viral now at this stage, explaining all of the issues for us on the ground. Like if we can't have a viable business, we cannot keep quality up. We cannot increase the staff wages. Staff are leaving the sector and um, providers are leaving the sector now. I, I had a meeting last night with a group from Tipperary. And on that group, there were five providers crying. They just can't do it anymore. I mean, mental health and anxiety disorders are huge for the providers um, at the moment because we're under so much pressure. Like we're running government schemes and we're not being paid to run those schemes. We are topping up the government schemes on, on for some providers on their husband's wages. Providers are not getting taken home a wage a lot of them. On the radio there today, a provider sent in an email and she said that she will not get a wage. She opened up her ECC service in September this year and she will not get any kind of wage until after Christmas because she has so much um, depth from last year that she's carrying 
So that can't continue. We can't continue to fund government schemes for government and not be remunerated properly. And so that's, who do you need the remuneration from? I suppose, like somebody has to pay for this. It is a very, very important service. And I mean that not just because not only does it enable an entire generation of parents to themselves go to work, but it is so important for our children to be left in a trusted and safe environment. I Absolutely. want the staff to be remunerated properly. I want there to be adequate adequate environments and safeguards and love poured into these environments so that my children feel as though they are being nurtured when not in my care. And I think that most parents feel that way. There is a deep concern that as the sector erodes, as staffing levels erode, that the stress and anxiety that you described will impact the experience that our children have. And we want, we all want solutions, but who who, where is the funding needed? Who is going to pay for it? I really feel like, yes, the parents, certainly the government are, are trying to reduce some of the costs. They are still incredibly high. And I'm hearing constantly about families having to delay, you know, having that second child until the first is in ECCE in order to relieve some of the cost. Like it, it's incredibly pressurized because yes, the cost may be coming down, slightly when it comes to our childcare system, but going up everywhere else in our life. So where I am at is as a parent that is incredibly respectful and um, I'm so grateful for the service that I avail of and I want it to thrive. I'm also very empathetic to the parental community that feels like we have no more to give. So what does the government, what are you asking for them? What is the solution to this? Okay, can I just come back to one thing? Um, parents, um, and, and I, I really hope that they don't put off having a second child because the National Childhood Scheme is there and it is very good for parents to avail of it. Uh, and it, like it does give a lot of um, reductions on their fees. So that's the one thing that I would ask parents to look out for in budget is how much Minister Gorman announces is going to that scheme because that's the one that's going to help the parents. But while it's helping the parents, again, it's not helping us. We're the, we're the ones that are struggling. So what we've asked uh, Minister Gorman to do is for those small, wonderful um, early childhood care and education services to up that uh, funding to €100 Euros a week. And that will take away the pressure from the provider. It will help them. It definitely will. And it will keep the doors open. But if that doesn't happen, if we don't see something coming to those providers, they're the ones we're going to see completely gone within the next year to 18 months. And we've seen that in, um, we had a document put together, which um, it's from the frontline providers. And it was done um, outside of the remit of the Federation. And it's very clear as they are the types of services we're going to lose nationally. And full day cares, small and meetings are going to be forced to pull out of core funding and up their fees to parents. Now that is not something we want to do. So that's why we've asked parents to join us on the streets of Dublin. Um, on the 26th of uh, this month to support us, to support them and to support the children to ensure, like at the end of the day, it's children they're at, that we, we need to support the children here. They have a right to be educated. They have a right to come into our services and we have a right to be allowed to have a high quality service. But if government keep pulling back on us, quality will drop because we can, we don't have the money. Like every year, every provider will replace um 
jigsaws and all different equipment that has got broken throughout the year. You spend June and July and August replacing all of those equipment. But if you don't have the money coming in, you can't do it. So the solutions that, I'll read some of the solutions that we have, mm, but I in some of our documents. So one was a hundred euros raise in, in the Eche capitation. From what? Just let me, because you know the numbers inside out. I don't. Okay. So, so, so from what to what? So you want to get to so, 100, but what are you getting at the moment? 69. Okay. So okay. You want okay. to raise to 100 euros and index linked every year from here on in. Yeah. As inflation okay. changes. As inflation changes. We want the fee freeze lifted um, so that we can bring our fees up to date. Because if you're trapped in the 2017, and as I've said, none of us, I don't know anything that's at the same price as it was in 2017. And um, some of the service providers were lucky to up their fees up to 2021 rates. But we didn't do it, small and medium, since some of the large ones didn't do it because we didn't want it to impact the parents. They were under enough pressure. And we have we we were very aware of the pressures of our parents. And we communicate with our parents all the time on what's going on here. Um, we want um, an apprenticeship model to be brought into our sector to allow us to train the staff as they're doing their courses. They're on the ground. They would never, ever be left unsupervised in a room with any child, but at least they're getting hands-on training. Like it just makes so much sense to bring back those type of courses that were there many years ago, because you cannot bring in somebody that's just on a degree and expect them to come in and work in a service that they don't have the experience. We all need experienced staff on the ground. And that would relieve some of the staffing shortages. Now, of course, I know we're not classing them as full staff or expecting them to perform the role of full staff, but an yeah. extra body in the room is an extra body in the room. That's an extra body of support. Yes. support in the room is so important. I mean, I have support workers in my service and they're not part of race. But my goodness, they bring so much to the classroom. They take the pressure off the staff and they, they work really well and they help to get the artwork ready or help to feed the children when it's lunchtime and, and help the children to go to the bathroom. You know, mm. there's things like that. And it really helps to support us in the rooms. Um, the extension on the AIM, the access and inclusion model is a big one because if you have a child in a full daycare service that has some kind of needs, and they have the support from nine o'clock to 12 o'clock because they're on the Eche scheme. Those needs don't go away at 12 o'clock to four or five o'clock in the evening. So we need those supports expanded throughout the service for the whole day. And it takes an awful lot of pressure off us on the ground and it gives huge supports to that child, which will really bring them on to ensure that they go into mainstream school. So it's so important that we have those full supports. And I know Minister Gorman did mention that on the radio this morning that he was looking for something but anything, we have to remember, anything that comes in on the budget this year doesn't come in until September next year. Mm -hmm. So we're still going to be in trouble till next September unless government decide to give us the funding coming in in January or immediately for these children. It would be great. Um, we would like, um, so a lot of the small ECHE services, they would have run um, optional extras for the next hour. And they would have probably charged about three, four or five euros for that. It could have been baking. It could have been arts and crafts. It could have been going on a little trip to the library, different things like that, that there is a little cost. And that's all been pulled away from us. So we would love those optional extras back because that's part of the quality within the service. And it's so important that the children get that. And um, we did look at, um, we would like government also to support the third person in the room um, for the ECC services because we only get funding for two staff in that room and we would like them to support the wages of the third support worker within that room again because if you've got 22 children in the room and a staff member has to go and change a nappy or a child has had an accident you're leaving one staff member with 19 children in the room 
if choose to knock on the door and you open the door, you're completely out of ratio. And it's not right. It brings down quality, the well-being and safety of the child. It has not been met if you have to leave the room. It's as simple as that. So, and we've been saying this for many years, that they worked out those ratios and we didn't agree with them from day one, two is to 22, because you've got children who are two years and nine months within that remit. And yet, if they're in the full daycare service, children from two years, nine months, must be in the room with one adult to six children. Yeah, we're allowed to have them one is to 11 in an ETSI service. It doesn't make any sense. Do you think that the problems are stemming from it being this blend of it not really being fully privatised and it not really being fully public? Like the government has so much control around how you deliver your business. And yet you are still a for-profit. You're not public. You, you know, you're, you're still trying to run a business as a business but you're doing so under the regulations of the government. No, absolutely. It's under government policy. Um, and like we can't do projections for the next year because we're trying to work out the funding and understanding what we're getting. We don't get any remittance advice from the Department of Children. Money enters my bank every Friday. I have no idea what it's for. So I have to go through all of my books, at my accounts on the Monday morning, and go through absolutely everything, work out exactly what funding I've gotten, make sure I haven't been paid too much because at the end of the year, if you're paid too much, they recoup it and you think you've got more in the bank. Um, so we can't project for our business whatsoever, nor do we have... a. a any good accountant would tell you you must have three months wages in your bank account at all times. We don't. We're lucky we have a month. And that's how we're running our businesses at the money, where we're on the wire all the time. And you shouldn't be on the wire all the time when you're running a business. So it is down to over um, regulated from government and government policy. And I think it's because they really genuinely don't understand the expert group that's within the Department of Children. It's called the new board. and um, there's no business person on that. There's no economics person on that. There's no provider representative on that. They're all academics and wonderful that they're all academics. But like, how do you know or how can you tell me or any other provider how to run their businesses and that the model that they have put out there for us as business people, it isn't working. So where so do we go? In as academics, are they are they informing you around kind of best practice for early childhood education? So you, you have documents out there like nurturing skills and nurturing skills is a wonderful document. And I wish I wish it was true to what's going on on the ground. But like it's a document of words on the paper, it's black and white, but it's not what's going on on the ground. And nobody, when Minister Gorman and his department say they are consulting with us, we go and we give them the issues. And that's the consultation, but nothing changes. I mean, we rose a, a huge issue around staffing crisis last January on the, the stakeholders forum and a whole group of us came together and we asked for an emergency meeting to discuss the staffing crisis. And we still today have not had that emergency meeting. So well, a lot of services are either closing down rooms or they're, ca they're cutting cap capacity in their services, which is something I've done. I have 15 children in one service out of 25 and I have 26 out of 31 in the other service because I can't get staff. You know, so you'll see services are doing that, they're closing rooms. And if a staff member goes out sick, you're cutting the numbers again because you can't get relief staff. And yet the view of our minister, which has been publicly shared, publicly said in media, is that the issues that you have raised and the decision to strike is unwarranted. 
Absolutely. He keeps using that word. He did that mm. last year. In November last year, we had a, a big protest hitting the streets and he asked us to postpone it and come in for a meeting. And we did postpone it and we went in for a meeting and there was no solutions put on the table to us whatsoever. So we will not be calling off this protest. But what I will ask is that any parents um, listening in on this today, that they would come into the streets of Dublin and support us um, on the day because we really need your support because this is about the provider, the staff, the parents and the child. It's about all of us coming together because that's the only way the government are going to listen is to have that support from the parents as well. Why do you feel like he won't or they won't or somebody in power will not engage, will not listen? Um, well, actually, we have been doing county by county meetings over the last kind of 10 weeks and we've huge support from TDs and local councillors now. We've absolutely huge. There's in each county council, they're putting a motion to government for us to have a meeting with um, our, our Taoiseach, the Thornishta, um, our minister, um, the Pascal Donoghue and Michael McGrath as well. So they are listening. I mean, they are definitely listening and they're going out in their meeting services. They're speaking to parents as well. And there's a huge understanding of where we are coming from now compared to last year when we were protesting. But why is there no change coming then? What's your we concern? Yeah, my concern is that, you know, we're doing these closures and these closures will continue until government do something, unfortunately. Like you've got three days this month. We have got another four days earmarked for next month in October and there's five days in December. So it's going to continue until they do listen because we don't have a choice. Uh, and one of the things that's come in on a lot of the meetings that we've held nationally is that we've no choice. If we don't go out and protest on the streets, we're going to go, be gone either in six months' time or a year anyway. So we've nothing to lose here by going out and taking to the streets at this point. And, and that is a huge problem for us all. Do you think that they feel like they've given you enough? Because I'm hearing that as well. I'm hearing lots of, since I came into this role, I have, you know, I have given this sector X amount Mm -hmm. do you think it's like no 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 they've had their cake let them figure it out now can I read out something as to where the money goes so the people sure. will understand everyone where everywhere that's uh, gaining from this including primary schools and we've continuously asked Minister Gorman to give us a full breakdown of where the 237 million that he keeps quoting where mm -hmm. that's going to in our sector and we had like we've had every single TD nation nationally has done this as well for us. And we still have not got the breakdown of that. Budget 2023, 266 million to support contain implementation of core funding schemes for the full first full program year, September 2021. Um, okay, so with additional funding of 59 million being made available to cover the cost of increased levels of capacity and numbers of graduates in the year. So I want to point out to, to parents here. So Minister Gorman made that announcement, but what he didn't announce was that he took back 85 million from the small service. So the early childhood care and education services, they would have got extra funding in to support the uh, staff wages and the cost of the business. And that was through, uh, it's called program support and um, the higher capitation. So if you had a graduate person in your room, you got extra funding. So he pulled back that 85 million. He shuffled it back into that pot and then reallocated it and didn't remunerate the small services then again. He left them with nothing. 
And we fought long and hard for them last year. And we got an extra 4,075 in the pot this year for them. That's 78 euros a week per service. Like when he's talking in millions, it sounds wonderful. Mm. You break it down as to what's coming into the services themselves. It's very little. And we, we to this day, and I'd love parents to email Minister Gorman and to email um, Minister Pascal Donoghue and Michael McGrath and ask them, can they have the breakdown of where all of this funding is going and how much of it actually comes into the services? They also worked out a, a funding model for one size fits all. I've just listed out the types of services in, the, in our sector. Not one of us are the same. And the same, you know, the, the, the capacity of children you have in each service type is different. So we're totally different. So how can you put on one size fits all in such a complicated sector? Coughs and colds are a normal part of growing up, but there is nothing that knocks down the house of cards quite like when our kids get sick. I want to drop everything to be with them, but then the juggle and the guilt and the worry and the sleeplessness begins to stretch me until I fray. The relentless kids book stretch is one I think we all know and probably have the marks to prove it. So my goal is to keep them as well as I possibly can so that as a family we can continue to do as much as we possibly can. The award-winning WellKid is a carefully balanced range with nutritional support from toddler to tweens, as it is packed with 24 essential vitamins in tasty natural fruit flavours. WellKid helps you give your family the extra nutritional and immune system support they need with all eight B-complex vitamins plus A, C, D and E. There is also WellKid Omega-3 plus an individual vitamin D supplement. Available in liquid, chewable, pastilles or gummies, this range supports all our fussy eaters and busy adventurers. With 50 years of innovation in nutritional science, Phytobiotics has been pushing boundaries to help our families feel at their very best. With products to suit all stages from preconception, pregnancy, postpartum and family life, including pregnant care, well kid, well woman and well man, Phytobiotics have created an award-winning range to suit every stretch of family life. Phytobiotics want to look after you through their supplemental range and by supporting this season of Stretch Marks. Food supplements must not replace a varied and balanced diet and a healthy lifestyle and you should always consult your doctor or pharmacist before using. Who's most at threat at this stage? Because obviously there are large chains that operate in Ireland. Yeah. And, there, and then there are some very small local businesses. Who is most at risk right now? Um, the small ECC services, the um, part-time services, the school-age services and the small to medium-sized uh, full-day carers, I think, would be at most risk. But I have been talking to some of the larger services and some of them are tied into fee-freeze going back to 2014. So I was quite surprised at that. So I think some of them might be in... Uh, a bit of trouble as well. But I, you know, I, I would worry about the whole sector as a whole now at this stage because it's, you know, it's imploding. And Minister Gorman has just been on national radio saying so much of uh, millions and millions here, millions there, millions everywhere. And where is it? How does that make you feel when you hear him speak so publicly like that? I, I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed that he really doesn't understand the sector. And and I'm I'm wondering who's at fault there? Is it the department themselves? Is it, is it the Assistant Secretary General for not giving the information to our minister? Somebody's at fault somewhere along the line. And it's very disappointing that he's been told, 
I suppose that the funding is here and it is working when we're clearly telling you day in, day out, we've had so much media over the last few weeks and we're clearly stating it's not working. I don't want to be coming out and having to fight so hard to keep my business open and all of the other businesses in this country. I don't want to have to keep coming out. I mean, at the moment, I've been trolled really, really badly on social media and it's not very nice and it's not, it's hard to take. And I understand Minister Gorman gets the trolling as well. So he should understand where I am on that. But if I, if the Federation give up and we walk away, there's nobody left here to fight for the child, for the parents, for the provider and for the staff. And that's very worrying. We've gathered our data. One thing Minister Gorman and his department always said to me was, we don't trust your data. So we outsource all of our data now. Everything mm -hmm. is outsourced. Um, so it's not our data anymore. It's become the data from the company that do our reports for us. Mm -hmm. You know, they analyze it and they do the reports. And it's very, it's very common now to see that, that that we're doing that. And we don't, I don't want to be coming out with data that they feel is skewed. So, um, you know, one thing I will say is we have seen skewed data coming from the department. The closure one is a big one. In Fingal, in Dublin alone, 21 services closed in June and they're all still up in the register. Six services in Minister Gorman's own constituency last year closed and they're still on the register. So there's something wrong somewhere with the numbers that the department are saying. So they're not, they're not accurately reporting the closures and minimizing actually no. what's happening in the industry. Yeah, but are definitely. they listening to the parental voice? Because if they were, what they would hear is you cannot get a child, you, you, you know, your, your maternity leave ends at, let's just say six months. Okay. That's when that's when your maternity benefit runs out. That's when most employers are starting to look for you to come back. Of course, there is unpaid leave that parents can avail of. Yeah. However, we know that a lot of people for financial reasons must get back to earning. At that six month mark, there is not a hope of a parent finding a baby room in Ireland that can accept that child. No, I do agree with you. Um, a lot of services have stopped taking babies in under the age of one. And that's because we just can't get the staff and it's it's not a part of the business, viable parts of the business that works. But yet it doesn't tie in with the reality of no. what families require. And I suppose yeah. what I'm getting at is, is if we are to find a uniformed solution for both child, parent, provider, government, is there an appetite to really look at the sector, not just keep putting money in, but actually to sit down and reorganize what works, what is a viable system for the reality of modern parents who must work today. I, I, I absolutely agree with you. And I've said this at, at many meetings now at this point that they need to go back to basics and start all over again because the funding isn't working. So if the funding isn't working, they need to meet with parent reps. They need to meet with provider representation, staff representation and child representation. And go back to the basics and say, okay, we need to all sit down around the table and come up with the solutions. I mean, you should be able to find a crash place for your baby. But unfortunately, it's we just can't do it anymore. Like the, the regulations behind the babies is so strict and it, it has to be. You know, and, and, we, and we, we, we respect that. But sometimes it's over-regulated. I mean, we could have inspectors coming in that pick us up on um, a pedal bin being broken. I mean... We're meeting the needs of the child. Everything is okay. And you're picking us up on a pedal bin in a corner of a room that probably doesn't even get used. Do you know what I mean? So 
I mean, I think two and all, I think everybody needs to sit around the table here and come up with reasonable solutions and start at the beginning and let's move forward again. But we can't continue the way we are because we've gone past crisis point now. And and for parents as well, it's gone yeah, past crisis point. You're gone past crisis point, but the crisis is contagious. The crisis yeah. is impacting on the careers of so many parents. And from, we talk about data, I'm not saying that any kind of Instagram research that I'm doing is, is full data, but it is thousands of women participating. And yeah. they are saying that when it comes to the decision as to who is at home with that child for those extended years, whilst they wait for childcare to kick in, it is more than not the mother. Those sectors with high female workforces are also caring sectors. We're looking at teachers. We have a teacher shortage. We're looking at healthcare. We have a healthcare staff shortage. The knock-ons to preventing people from re to returning to the jobs that they had after they had a baby is right here. This is the problem. This is what is forcing people out of those careers. And yet, is anyone joining the dots when we hit a healthcare crisis this winter? This September, when every principal is standing there saying we do not have enough teachers to fill the roles in schools, is anyone joining the dots and saying, actually, if we fix the childcare crisis, we can fix every other sector thereafter? Nobody is joining the dots. And we have said this as well at many meetings. You know, this is we it, it all starts with us. And remember, we're predominantly women led sector, 98 percent. Mm. Our staff are predominantly women led as well. And so it, it looks like it's it's all about the woman because we're saying if we're not there and we don't open our doors, it's women who are pulled back out of the workforce as well. You know, so it's all women it, that it's hitting. And we've said this so many times. If this was a male dominated sector, I don't think this would be going on, Sinead. And that's the truth. And that's just my opinion, by the way. But that's that's how I feel. And I think for now, we need to all join forces. Um, the moms, the dads, everybody needs to come out on the street on the 26th of September and have your voice heard. We're looking for um, a parent spokesperson for the day uh, of the protest. So um, I'm looking for anybody that is willing to come up and speak. Hopefully it'll be you, Sinead. <laughs> <laughs> but we do need somebody. I need, to, I need to find my voice a bit stronger before that. But. <laughs> but like we all have to have our voices heard on the yeah. 26th of September. We really do. We will be la launching a, a petition um, over the next 24 hours for parents to sign. And we will need massive signatures on that. Because the last one we did, we, we got 15,000 parents signing it and it was ignored by government, absolutely ignored by the Department of Children. So I don't want this one to be ignored. So we need huge numbers of participation on this petition. And it's to keep the services open. It's to look for more funding, you know, to ensure that predominantly women-led sectors can go back to work and not be worrying about childcare. And it is these predominantly female led services that are so undervalued and so underpaid. Yeah. So underpaid to expect the staff to, to sit four years of a degree course. And am I right in saying it's about 17,000 euro per annum is what they hope to earn? I haven't done the sums, you could be right, but um, the employment regulation order starts at 13 euros and comes up. Now, I have to say a lot of the small ones and medium ones, we're paying above that. Hmm. I don't know how many of us are, but I know that. But you'd need to, because how okay. can anybody live off that? 
you you can't you you actually can't nobody can i mean we're all hit with massive inflation um we're, we're the living the cost of living is a huge issue for everybody and i was i was talking to one provider yesterday and like she's just said she's done she closed her doors gave the letter out to parents yesterday she's gone because she she is not taking the wage she's trying to keep her staff wages in and she can't even afford to pay her staff because the cost of everything within the service has gone up so high so look, government really needs to sit down around a table with us all and have a very, very honest conversation as to what's going on, why it has happened. We are still at 0.3% GDP. We have not moved. So everybody needs to realise that. And is the sector willing, is the sector willing to imagine a new design for this? I think we've no choice. I think we have to look at the funding. We have to have a new design of funding for sure coming in. We like if the, the core funding has drastically failed in year one for many of us, then there has to be some give from government to sit down and say, OK, I mean, if they pumped more money into the NCS for parents, that's wonderful. That's helping the parents and the child. But they have to look at the cost. So the due diligence for our services and the type of services on the ground has never been done. So they put out the core funding without looking at the cost to the provider and how much the business costs per day to run or per week or per month. What do you say to people that challenge your request for more funding that say, listen, you're a business like any other, go sort it out? Um, and I, we and I hear that anytime you're on radio, straight yeah. away, the texts afterwards are, you're a business, I'm a business, I'm struggling, I don't get to whinge and say, hey, government, give me more. You know, that there can be a rhetoric out there that challenges. Absolutely. People. So what I would say to, to people that have that attitude is we have a load of case studies done on how core funding has failed services. We have about 25 case studies done. It's probably something we will be releasing in a book in, in the coming month or so. Um, but you can clearly see where it has failed. Because and we want to keep I, the doors open for the economy. One of the things, obviously, that we've spoken about. So one is this term unwarranted. Two is the statement of how much funding has already been given. And three, the... Still, there's a there's a tone of celebration about this core funding. Absolutely, from the I heard Minister. I think today, even on the radio, Minister Gorman was delighted with himself as to what he's yeah. achieved. And to be fair, he has got the most amount of funding into the sector ever than than any other minister. Okay, and that that's the, and I really appreciate that, but it's not coming to us on the ground. It's going into different parts of the department also. It's going to the Department of Education because children up to five can receive these grants. So we have to look at that. Like he has done the most and, and you know, I do respect him for that, but he has to listen to what we're saying. If there's going to be high numbers on the streets on the 26th of September, which I believe there are, then he's going to have to listen and understand that there really is a problem here. It feels like though, continuing to just put money and money and money and money isn't it's going, not the it's, it's the not, allocation yeah, yeah it's yeah, the, it's yeah. the allocation of the funding that we need to look at exactly where it's going how it's allocated out you know when when last year minister gorman said there's 25% decrease in in parental fees at that time when he said that he didn't say on average on average it works out at between um 11 10 to 11 to 15% it's not 25% 
So, you know, when, when they, the devil is always in the detail with everything that's announced from government and for, you know, for the funding that's coming through budget. So we all need to remember that. Let's sit back and watch what comes in to the budget for childcare. And hopefully it's a lot more because of these um, closures, because these closures will, we have no choice but to continue them until something gives from government, because we will be gone anyway. We've nothing to lose anymore. How many providers that you are aware of are very close to closure? Um, well over a thousand. Well over a thousand of the small ones, definitely, are really on their knees. How many providers are there in total? I'm trying to work 4, out. 4,062. Okay, so about a quarter, about a quarter of all providers yeah. are like at a... real, real genuine risk yeah. of immediate closure, giving parents weeks notice. Yeah. Which, which like I'm here, I'm seeing when the closure it is, is happening. happening. Yeah. You know, it's like you've got four weeks notice. And for many, there are simply no other services. Even no. with even with that four thousand open, there are no services. You put you're pregnant, you put your name down, and you're told come back to us in two and a half years. Like, yeah, if a and, thousand and of those services close, there is nowhere for our children to go. A parent must be home. We will be resigning from our positions. Yeah, look. I, uh, it's only what we're hearing because it's the smaller ones that are really taking the biggest hit. I'm not predicting that that's what's going to happen, that those services will close. They just keep saying we can't keep our doors open on a shoestring. Like if they're running on a shoestring, they have to be able to pay their staff wages, cover their costs, keep quality up, ensure that the children's needs and well and the, the health, safety and well-being of the child has been met. You can't do that on a shoestring. And it, like we've had parents um, come to these services and offer them donations. And through the um, the core funding um, agreement, you're not allowed to accept those donations. Like local schools can take donations from parents. They can add, they can do, um, they have sale of works, they do cake sales, do everything. And, and they're allowed to take that money to help them keep the schools open. But we are not. Like we are so micromanaged. It's unbelievable. And it's sad to see. And, and I have to say, Minister Gorman, like he's saying, minimum closures in the last five years, that doesn't make that okay. Any closure is not okay, unless it's somebody retiring. And usually if it was a viable business model, it'd be passed on to somebody who wanted to continue absolutely, it. Absolutely, absolutely. I've got two daughters working for me and I'm saying to them, go back now and do your level nines because they're both level seven and eight. Go back and become primary school teachers because there's nothing here in this business for you anymore. And I can't believe I'm saying that. What do you think is going to become of the sector? If Minister Gorman and the Department of Children and Government don't listen this time, I have no idea what's going to come of it. But I think a lot of us will just go, we're done and we're just going to walk away. You'll see a lot of providers just giving up and saying we've had enough because the stress and strain on the ground and the anxiety on the ground, it's not good for anybody. I don't have three months wages. I have four weeks wages at a time in my bank. That's it. It's month to month. That's how I'm managing. And I don't know, I like, I know that other services are worse off than me even. There are such things as community crashes, which are entirely publicly yeah. funded. Yeah. Do you believe that perhaps it is in the best interest of the government for facilities like yours to choose to close in order to roll out 
more community funded ones. Um, that makes sense to them. Um, unfortunately, I wouldn't agree with that at all because there's an awful lot of community services protesting with us at the end of the month. Um, you look at any sector that has been nationalised, look at the HSE. You know, look at all the the public sector where you're looking for services for children and you can't get any. There's a two-year waiting list. You can't even get to see a public health list. They're all publicly run. They're not working. Do you think there's an appetite in government, though, to have a fully, fully publicly funded no. in the same way that we have with schools? Like, do you think that they want to bring early childhood care no. in under a publicly funded model? I don't agree with it at all. I don't know. And I've spoken to TDs on this. They don't want the hassle of being the employer. There's no way they want the, the hassle of everything that's going on within our sector to come to their door. No way. So they need you. They we, need us. We need you. Yeah. So there has to be a compromise. There has to be common grounds where we can sit down and go through everything and have a really good, constructive conversation. Not a department or a, of our minister who's showing consultation, but not really taking on board what we're saying. Do you think there's going to be an 11th hour phone call where he says, let's meet? Uh, I don't know. I, I really genuinely don't know. Um, I think um, it should come from higher above at this point. I think that the phone call needs to come from the Taoiseach or the Taunish yeah. or both and Minister Gorman. I think the meeting needs to be had with all of them at this point because we are a crisis point parents are a crisis point children are going to lose out on the education and our staff are struggling with with the cost of living as well and we can't give them any more like nobody is winning here you know no, usually, usually no, in this no yeah there's no winners usually in this you can see okay somebody is taking advantage here and enjoying the situation and somebody is the victim in this situation i've looked at this from so many angles, from so many perspectives. And I cannot see how leaving it as it is, is a solution for anybody. No, it's not. It isn't. And it, and it genuinely isn't. But my biggest concern is for the children. Like, and for mums who are pregnant and they're putting their children's names down. Like, I have huge worries for that. I mean, to be under that stress and strain while you're pregnant with a baby, that's not right. Like, nobody should be under that strain. No. Trying to find places... Nobody should be under that pressure. And we're on, under the pressure because we have the waiting lists. And we can't do anything about those waiting lists. We can't expand the business. That's unviable. And it, and it rolls on from that point. It, it feels like all women want to do is to return to the job that they had before they got pregnant, which apparently is a legal right of ours. However, the system is not there to enable it. And more and more are leaving their careers. And it's not just about these early childcare years. It takes years to regain where you were at within your career it takes years to regain whether you're going to be back on any kind of pension plan or or leadership plan or promotional plan it and all of that is what the government seems to want they want this highly educated workforce using their skills to drive our economy forward they want this highly educated workforce in our hospitals in our schools in our communities doing what we all need in order for a society to thrive. It is no, nobody's interest to force one parent of every family to have to stay home for an extended period of time if they, one, can't afford it and one, don't choose it. It is in nobody's benefit 
to ask a generation of people to go through a degree course to come out the other side to an employment system that is not paying enough for them to sustain a living wage. They won't do it. You're right. They will bypass it and they will go into teaching. No, absolutely. And then like you're seeing like a lot of these wonderful workers within our, our services, they can't get mortgages. They can't even afford when they have children, they can't afford no, to be- put their own children into childcare. Exactly. Like, look, it's a total mess. And, you know, if they if they can't get mortgages, I got turned down in the mortgage. You know, if we're all getting turned down the mortgages, you know, that's not good. And that's why they leave the sector, because they can go on. We did a, um, a report last April on um, where the staff are going when they leave our services. And one of the biggest ones was they were going to the Department of Education as SNAs. Then the next one was Department of Children, Tusla, Better Start and Pubble, all department, all d- department people. But when you right. think about it, you would. Like well, of course you, they would. Look at the benefits there. Oh, yeah, they they can get so much. They get, they've they got their pension, they get yeah. higher wages, they get all of the, the perks of the job where we can't give them that. Like we don't even have that. A lot of us wouldn't have pensions here. So you're just you're just working day to day and hoping that something is going to change in the next budget. And I have to say, it has to change. They don't have a choice here. Government don't have a choice. There's a call of action here to government to step in and do something and do something fast. But I think it has to be brave. It has to be brave and it has to be reimagined and it has to be thought about. It has to be a solution to where we are at today. It cannot be a model that was built 20, 30 years ago that just needs more funding. The structure doesn't work. No, I I agree with you, but I do believe that they're not far off getting it to work Mm -hmm. if they would just sit down and listen to proposals that we have that will help and the solutions that we have that will help to support the parents, the child, the provider and the staff. There are solutions there. You need them to meaningfully listen. Absolutely. And not tell you that it's unwarranted. Look, I, I it, we'll see how unwarranted it is on the 26th of September. I just feel uh, it's such a... unwarranted when it's such an insult to, to many providers here yeah. that, you know, are really struggling on the ground uh, to keep business open. And I think it's the same word that was used last year. And, and I think they'll be upset. And I, I, I can tell you, I have 22 WhatsApp groups across the country and my phone has happened since he said that today. Absolutely helping. To me... It is, it's, it's highly disrespectful. Yeah. It's, it, it's trying, it feels like it's trying to diminish your power. And undermine us. And I'm concerned because it is not the language that you would expect to hear from somebody whose role it is to meaningfully engage or that has the want or intention to meaningfully engage. And that is where my concern sits. If that is the if that is the public message that has been chosen, and we all know how words yeah. are chosen wisely, if that is the publicly chosen message to use, my worry is that there isn't an appetite to meaningfully listen. We shall see, Sinead. We shall see. We have to watch the space and see. I, I'm hoping that he will, and higher up above him, will want to sit and engage with us and have a conversation around solutions. I also believe that if he doesn't believe that it is warranted for you and your sector and the people that you represent, I think the government would do anything 
to acquire more votes and they do not want to upset this generation of people who are already stretched to capacity. But that is exactly what they are doing. And if they haven't joined those dots, they need to. And perhaps they will when they see the volume of numbers that are out on the streets. And listen, they'll be off work anyway that day. Come to Dublin and support us on the day because we're doing this for your children to ensure that there's places for your children to come to school and to be nurtured and looked after and loved by all of us in the sector. And we are caregivers. That's our job, you know, to care for people. And that's a huge part of our remit. And we want to continue to do that. But it feels like it's been taken away from us on a daily basis. Are you exhausted? Absolutely. I'm emotional as well because I feel if we let down our parents and we let down our children, then that's really hard for us to stomach as caregivers. And I just feel I'm upset because I'm glad we've done this podcast, but we shouldn't be in this position as women. We should never have to fight for the right to work. And that's what we're doing, fighting for our rights to work and to be respected and to be admired for the jobs that we do on a daily basis with our children and the, the, the nation's children, the youngest. We're nurturing them for them to go into primary school, to enjoy the, to, to enjoy the education when they're with us, okay? For the years, that the two years they're with us, we get their brains working to go out and be, go into primary school to enjoy learning. And that nurtures them right through to college to enjoy learning. And that's what we do. And if we're all gone, and we're all so exhausted and tired from fighting to survive. That's, you know, it's not okay anymore. And I've seen it. I have two girls that have been part of a wonderful, beautiful local crash since my eldest was eight months old. They have been a part of our world. And I will tell you, they are my village. Yeah. We all still need that village and the village got privatized. Okay. The village no longer is is your neighbours. The village for me is knowing that I have a wonderfully nurturing environment that I bring my children to and I trust those women implicitly with the care of my children. And I see how happy they are coming out and how developed they are coming out. My six-year-old, her best friends are the people that she met when she was eight months old and they are still best friends. It it is, you know, my two-year-old comes home every day and she's learned something that I didn't teach her. She is socialized. She is fun. She is happy. But every day I pick her up and I ask in my own mind, like the work that those people did today yeah. is immense. It's amazing. My My own children that I love exhaust me and they're mine. <laughs> I'm supposed to want to be with them every day. Like when, when we're in a classroom with some children and like you laugh, you have really good fun with the children. And that's what life is about when you're a teacher. And it's so important to laugh with the children, enjoy the the fun. I mean, we, we, we have ducks come into my school every week. So we just hatched eggs recently. And I'm not joking, the fun we have with the children and they hold the ducks and it, it's just amazing. And these are the things that parents, you, you may not see it from the inside, but when you know your child walks in that door every morning, they're skipping in the door and they're happy and they're going home and they're smiling and we're having fun at the door. That's the best part of, of for us as teachers. But unfortunately, again, something else that was taken away from us this year was the title of educators. Mm. 
which was a huge insult to all of us. And we're all trained teachers. We are educators. We do educate children that, from a very young age, from under a year, right up, we are educating your children. We are nurturing them and teaching them. And that was taken away, which was one of the biggest insults to all of us. And we respectfully request that back. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You deserve better than this. The industry yeah. deserves better than this. Women deserve better than this. I support your strike. I support what you are doing as a person and as a representative of this industry. I would be lost if my crash closed down tomorrow. My income would be gone. My sanity would be gone. My health would be gone. It's not good enough and it has to no, change. And I really appreciate you saying that because we don't hear that a lot from people. So, sorry, I am, I just... I really appreciate that because we're just really we're tired of fighting for our rights to survive. We really are. All of us. A few more days to go. A few more. Another week and a half. Okay. So thank you, Sinead, for allowing our voices to be heard through your podcast today. Thank you. No problem. Thank you. Okay, so what can we do? One, contact your local TDs. Tell them how this is going to impact you. Two, make your employers aware that if government allows this sector to fall, it'll take you and your colleagues down with it. Three, join the march on September 26th in Dublin. Four, make noise. Let government see that we didn't come this far to only come this far. And five, follow Stretchmarks Pod on Instagram where I'll share more details as I have them. 